In May, I was at a conference, well, it's actually June, at a conference in North Wales in a place called Bala. And at all ministers' conferences, which is what this was, there is a bookstall, because they know that we are suckers uh, for books, and we will buy books. And one of the books that I bought was called Reading Between the Lines by Glenn Scrivener. It's a collection of around 250 to 300 uh, daily readings from the Old Testament, going from Genesis 1 all the way through to the end of the Old Testament. And the focus of the readings is to see how all of these passages and all of these sections point to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the kind of reading between the lines bit in the title. As I've gone through, there are some ways in which um, Glenn Scrivener does that in the book um, that are ones that I know about already. And as you read the text, it's fairly obvious that this is pointing us towards the Lord Jesus Christ. There are others that I haven't seen, and I'll also confess there are others that I don't agree with, because sometimes these things can be pushed a little bit too far. However, overall, I found the book really helpful, and if you're still struggling for a Christmas present idea to get for someone, reading between the lines by Glenn Scrivener would be a great one to get. Because it shows us that in the Old Testament, what's God doing? He is working towards, he is pointing towards, he is promising the coming of the Messiah. His king, the real king, the forever king, the rescuing king, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I want to ask a question this morning. How does the birth of Jesus, and consequently then his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension, how does the birth of Jesus fit into the Bible? How does the birth of Jesus fit within God's revelation in the Bible? And the point I want us to make, and if we go away with this in our mind, uh, this, this message has kind of reached the intention I feel it should have. The birth of Jesus is not merely another step along the way. The birth of Jesus is not merely another miracle that God performs. No, this is it. This is the main event. This is what every page of Scripture up until this point has been pointing towards and waiting for. Jesus, God's Son, coming into the world. Jesus blows everything and everyone that's gone before him out of the water. And I want to show you that by comparing Jesus to Samson and contrasting Jesus to Samson. And not in the obvious ways where Jesus is better than Samson. So morally, for instance, Samson was not the most moral person. Uh, Samson had a bit of a temper. He was impetuous. Um, He was a womanizer. And Jesus was clearly none of those things. So I don't want to sort of take the obvious 
But I want us to look at where Samson and Jesus are similar. And even there, just to show you that Jesus is so much better. So let's look at three ways that Samson is the same as Jesus, but Jesus is better. First is this, they were both miraculous babies. They were both miraculous babies. Verse 3 in Judges 13, the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman. This is Manoah's wife. We don't know her name, but we do know she was married to Manoah. And the angel said to her, behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, it's worth mentioning, this is an unexpected announcement. I remember when I was learning to drive, my driving instructor taught me the bank robber theory. The bank robber theory was this, whenever you go past a road, someone may have robbed a bank and they might be coming out not stopping. So always expect the unexpected and then you're always ready to break if you need to. Well, even if Manoah's wife went through life completely expecting the unexpected, I'm sure she would not have expected this announcement. That one day she's out in the fields, an angel of God is going to come to her and tell her she is going to have a baby. In much the same way that Mary is going about her normal day-to-day business, and I'm sure she didn't expect the angel Gabriel coming to her and saying, Greetings, O favoured one. The Lord is with you. There's an unexpected announcement. And then, a promise of a miracle. What does the angel say to Manoah's wife? Behold... You are barren. You can't have children. But you shall conceive and bear a son. Why? Because God will perform a miracle. And it's the same when we come to Mary and the, the conception and the birth of Jesus. In Luke 1, 30-31, the angel says to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And then verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? How can this be? How can this happen? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. How will she have a baby? Because God will perform a miracle. Samson is a miraculous child. Jesus is a miraculous child. Samson is like Jesus, but Jesus is better. How? Well, to consider the miracle. What does God do in the situation of Manoah's wife and Samson? He fixes the issue in her body. She's barren. She can't have a baby. There's something that's not working as it's meant to work. And so God fixes the problem. And then Samson is born naturally and normally. But that's not the case with Mary and Jesus. This is not a natural conception. This is not a normal child from that sense. No, God 
And the power of the Holy Spirit overwhelms Mary. And Jesus is conceived within her. And so that child is both fully human and fully divine. Samson is like Jesus, but Jesus is better. There's something greater than God has ever done before in the scriptures taking place in the birth of Jesus. So they're both miraculous babies. Secondly, they are both remarkable babies. Well, they grew up to be remarkable men. Judges 13, verse 4 to 5, Therefore be careful, drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Your child, the angel says to Manoah's wife, shall be a Nazarite. Now what's a Nazarite? Now, to understand that, we need to go back to the book of Numbers. As God brings the people of Israel out of Egypt, they're in the desert, and he explains to them how they're to live before him. They've been saved by him, and now they're to live for him. And every single Israelite was to live a life that was set apart for God. Every Israelite was to live a life that was for his glory, and in worship and praise of him. So, so that's like a blanket statement for everyone. But then God also makes provision for people to do something that was specifically set aside for him. They could take the vow of a Nazarite. Number six, one to two. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel, say to them, when either a man or woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord. So every Israel, Israelite was separated to the Lord, but then you could separate yourself kind of even more in a special way. I, I guess a kind of similar idea would be um, for us today. If you're a Christian, you are separated for God because you are in Christ. You are called to live all of your life for his glory. That, that's clear instruction in the scriptures. But you might choose to do something particular in service to God. You might choose to go on the mission field for a year and dedicate your life to God in a particular way for that time. You might choose to give yourself in service to the church for for a particular time. So I'm dedicating my time to the Lord for these two months or three months. All of life is to be set apart from God, but you might do it it in a particular special way. Well, that's the Nazarite. The Nazarite is someone who takes a week or two weeks or a month and says, I want to devote this time entirely to the Lord. Not in my normal sense, but in a special sense. Well, Samson was to be like that for his entire life. He was a Nazarite from the womb to the grave, set apart for God. And the other remarkable thing about Samson is that he is equipped by the Holy Spirit. Judges 15, 16, uh, 
later tells us that, that Samson was a strong man who won battles with the jawbone of a donkey. Heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of a donkey have I struck down a thousand men. He, he won a battle against a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. Someone had um, headphones with Marvel on it. You, you, you think of sort of the Marvel superheroes when you hear those sort of words. Somebody with this sort of superpower that can take on thousands. What was Samson's superpower? Judges 13, 24 to 25 tells us. The woman bore a son, called his name Samson. The young man grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Bahunadan between Zorah and Estiel. He had the spirit of God within him. Samson was a remarkable person. And in those same ways, Jesus was remarkable. His life was set apart for God in a special way. He was equipped by the Holy Spirit. Luke makes that point over and over again in his gospel. But Jesus blows Samson out of the water. And actually, this passage in Judges 13 points to that too. At the end, near the end of chapter 13, verse 18, the angel of the Lord has come to Manoah and his wife. And Manoah says, what's your name? And he says, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? It's too wonderful for you to know my name. They offer the sacrifice and the angel of the Lord goes up in the smoke. And then Manoah realizes that it's the angel of the Lord. And he says, we shall surely die for we have seen God. What does he realize? He realizes this angel is not just a messenger from God. It is God come with a message. He doesn't say, we saw an angel. We've seen God and we will surely die. Throughout the Old Testament, we get these appearances of the angel of the Lord. And as we read what happens as he appears and how people respond to him, we recognize he is more than just a messenger from God. He is God who has come down. And traditionally, the church has understood this is not just God in general. This is particularly the second person of the Godhead, the eternal son who has come to speak. To people. The eternal Son who is spoken of in John 1 1 in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The eternal Son who in John 1 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Manoah and his wife saw the eternal. Jesus Christ. And as they saw him, they said, we shall surely die, for we have seen God. I wonder how many times as they came over to Samson's cot, they said, we've seen Samson, we will surely die. I don't think they ever said that. Because Samson is just a boy. Jesus is God who has become flesh. In the manger, God the Son appears. 
and takes on flesh becomes one of us. There's no comparison between Samson and Jesus, his birth and Christ's birth. So we see that contrast in the miracle, in the nature, but also they are both saving babies, the purpose. Verse 5 in Judges 13, He shall begin to save Israel from the land of the Philistines. Samson is born with a purpose, a purpose to rescue his people. They have been overrun by the Philistines. And here's God's answer to their prayer. Samson, who will come and deliver them from their enemy. It sounds very much like the purpose that Jesus came with. Matthew 1.21 She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You imagine Manoah and his wife holding the baby Samson. I don't know if you ever do this when you, you hold a baby and um, once you get past the sort of the sick phase that's coming out and the, the crying and maybe they start to smile and their eyes open and a bit more pleasant, you know. Um, when you look at them, you think, I wonder what they're going to grow up into. I wonder what they're going to become. Sam, um, Manoah and his wife had an inkling with Samson. He's going to be delivered, but I wonder how that will happen. Joseph and Mary held Jesus. They knew what he was going to do. He's going to save his people from their sins. They didn't yet probably know how that would take place, but, but they knew what he would become. They are both saving babies. And they both died to win. As they go about that purpose, they both died to win. Samson, at the end of his life, he's been caught by the Philistines He's been imprisoned by the Philistines and then brought out as a trophy. Look how amazing we are. We, we've beaten Samson. Our God is better than your God is the statement that's being made. And so Samson comes out. He says, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. He pushes over the building. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. His greatest victory came through his death. And it's the same with Jesus. Paul tells us in Colossians, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you were a rebellious sinner You were away from God. God made you alive together with Christ, Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How? By cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. How does Jesus save from sin? Through His death. On the cross. He then demonstrates that salvation and brings it into reality for us by being raised from the dead three days later.
But it's his death where he dealt with sin. Samson is like Jesus. They're both rescuing babies. But Jesus is better. Why do I say that? Well, because Samson is irrelevant to us today. There should be an inward gasp there because I've just said someone in the Bible is irrelevant to us. What do I mean by that? Samson was a deliverer for his time and for a few people in a particular country at that time. He came for the Israelites in the land of Canaan a thousand years before Jesus. He didn't come for the Whittleseaites in the year 2022. I mean, I don't see too many Philistines around me as I go through the streets of Whittlesea. I know maybe you've labelled certain people Philistines, but I don't see too many Philistines. It's not my problem. It was their problem. Samson's not my deliverer. He's not my rescuer. He was their deliverer, their rescuer. But Jesus is a man for all time and for every one. You see, I might not walk around Whittlesea and discover Philistines on every street corner, but I look in my heart and discover sin every moment of every day. None of us lives the perfect life that God demands. None of us love God as we should. None of us love each other as we should. Why should that matter? Well, because the Bible tells us that God is so big and so glorious that to not acknowledge him as God, not to live for him as God, is such a bad thing that it deserves his divine and eternal judgment. Every single one of us need God's forgiveness. Without it, there is no hope. Just condemnation. And 2,000 years ago into this world was born a baby. God's rescuing king who would go to the cross and die for your sin and mine so that if we believe in him we would be forgiven and have hope. I wonder this morning, do you know the significance of Jesus' birth and then his life and his death and his resurrection and ascension? This is not just another account in the Bible. This is not just another event where God was involved. This is the account. This is the Bible story. Everything focuses in on Jesus, God's Messiah. And I want to encourage you on this Christmas day to come and wonder at the manger. To come and praise the Saviour. And see and know what the Lord has done. And if you don't find that your heart is being stirred by the truth of Jesus today, 
And there can be all kinds of reasons for that. And one of them might simply be the distractions of the season. If you don't find that your heart is stirred by Jesus today, can I encourage you to pray that God will show you again the significance of Christ. Show you again the wonder of the miracle. God becoming flesh. Of the person, this is God's son who has come as one of us. And the wonder of his purpose that he came to save us from our sin. Let's pray. Father, help us to be amazed by Jesus. Lord, in one sense, we, we know we shouldn't even have to ask you to help us with that. Because the reality of Christ's birth is astounding. It's just remarkable. But yet, maybe, Lord, we've become too familiar. Maybe we've become too forgetful. Maybe, Lord, we've just never seen it. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, we pray, Father, that you will show us the wonder of Jesus today. That this day may be a day of praise to him. Amen.